Welcome to Ordinary Fellowship, a podcast inspired by the Puritan practice of godly conference, or spiritual conversations among believers. These spiritual conversations offer practical spiritual help for Christian living. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tears from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb, through the middle of the street of the city, also on either side of the river, the tree of life with its twelve kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it and his servants will worship him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads, and night will be no more. They will need no light of lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. I'm Jeremy Lee, and with me is Matthew McLaughlin. Hey, Jeremy. Welcome to Ordinary Fellowship. If you enjoy our podcast, we encourage you to like and subscribe on whatever podcast service you listen to us on. If you enjoy the episodes, share some with your friends. Uh, So the word about ordinary fellowship, and more importantly, uh, the word about Christ and the Christian life can be more widely known. We're here today. (laughs) Usually I see you the day before, Matthew, but I understand it's been, it's been a week. So, um, we have a special guest with us today. Uh, Seth Miller's with us. He is a friend who I met in Bible college, although I have no memory of ever talking to you in Bible college. We have talked more since then than we ever right. talked in Bible college. That's right. <laughs> Welcome to Ordinary Fellowship, Seth. I am glad to be here. Good afternoon, or should I say morning, right? Still morning. Yeah. Good morning to you and Matthew. I'm glad to be here. I was going to pick on you about the Kentucky Wildcats, but uh, <laughs> that was yeah, uh, that one of the best things about being out of Kentucky is not having to hear about the Wildcats. <laughs> that's right. There was a lot of weeping and gnashing of teeth here in the great <laughs> Kentucky. But and what you, what can we say? <laughs> you guys are obsessed. Yes, yes. Well, we don't have a lot else to bank on. You know, we don't have a an NFL team. We don't have a major league baseball team. Yeah, all we got is college ball, so there's not much <laughs> we hat on. Yeah, yeah, and you don't have college football really because uh, we're bouncing. Really does anything? <laughs> <laughs> we're trying. <laughs> yeah. So, Seth, uh, why don't you tell the people that listen to us, our audience? Why don't you tell them a little bit about yourself? No problem. Uh, like I said before, my name is Seth, and I am originally from Kentucky. 
although I spent the last 15 years or so ministering to a small church in North Carolina. And then I came back and I'm now the new pastor at First Baptist Church of Brandenburg, Kentucky. I've been out here about, I want to say about 15 months, and I'm very glad to be serving these people. Wonderful church, just having a good time. I am married and have been married going on 19 years. My wife's name is Janie. Her and I met each other at Clear Creek Baptist Bible College, and together we have brought three beautiful children into the world. My oldest one's name is Ben. Then I have a daughter, and her name is Autumn, and then I have a son named Randy. And uh, other than that, I'm a graduate of Clear Creek Baptist Bible College and of Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. And I'm very happy to be back in Kentucky. Some of my interests are, well, comic books. I like comic books a little bit and uh, playing the bass guitar. I like doing that, Uh, hiking ever so often. And I like studying, of course, theology and the word of God. And I like talking about it with people who like to talk about it. So that's a little bit about nothing exciting. (laughs) Nothing real. I'm just being honest. There's not much exciting about me. (laughs) Well, me and Matthew aren't that exciting either. We're we're nerd <laughs> we're nerds like you, so you know. There we go. That's all right. We we're typically drawn to one another. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I asked you to be on here just because I enjoy listening to your thoughts on a variety of subjects. We've talked about a lot of things throughout the years. So I, I really just opened up the door for you to pick any topic you wanted. Your response to me was that you'd been thinking about heaven for right. a little while. Is there is there a reason why you'd been thinking about heaven? Well, back in April of 2014, and you're aware of this, I was diagnosed with uh, stage four melanoma, which is the most dangerous and aggressive form of skin cancer. And I had a tumor that originated on my scalp, and then it moved, metastasized to the lymph nodes of my neck, soft tissue, and even in my lungs. And, uh, well, about a year after I was diagnosed, undergone several surgeries and a variety of treatments, uh, things did not look too promising for me. I was even informed by my doctors that I should get my affairs in order. And so I was very distraught. I was very upset. And... um, I began to think, of course, about heaven, about where I was planning on going soon. At least that was my thinking at the time. And I was really, I was really dumbstruck by how little I knew about heaven, despite the fact of being a graduate of Bible college and of seminary and serving as a pastor. Growing up in church, I, I hear about the idea that we will go to heaven, go into funerals. We say things like, well, so-and-so is in a better place. And uh, I was just really surprised that I didn't know a lot about it. And so I wanted to change that. I wanted to learn about my future home, where I would be heading. And uh, to be honest, be candid, the only book that I was aware of was Randy Alcorn's Heaven. And I have no problem saying that much of today will probably be a regurgitation of Alcorn. I think for the most, he is right. There's not, uh, I don't, of course, agree with everything he said, but his book, Heaven, greatly impacted me. I do recommend it as a read and, of course, cross-reference it with scripture to see if he's on track. But uh, Randy Alcorn is a thoughtful guy and he does aspire to be biblical. (laughs) And um, 
I, I just enjoyed the book. And ever since then, I've been kind of hooked on the subject. And I am happy to say by the grace of God, I'm in remission and have been for several years now. Uh, but the study of heaven uh, brought me a great deal of comfort during a very trying part of my life. And uh, I'm just it, now I tend to look at everything through the lens of the reality that there will be a day where um, I will be with King Jesus and that uh, he will introduce a new heaven, new earth. So it, it's just something I love to talk about. It's funny that you say Randy Alcorn's very thoughtful because generally speaking, his books are almost as exhaustive as you can be. <laughs> yeah, yes, it's, it's I, I've read his book on happiness. If God is good, uh, heaven, I've read some of his fiction. And I don't consider myself much of a fanboy that I just sit around chomping at the bit, waiting for right. the next written by so-and-so. But people usually ask me who are some of my favorite authors. And typically I say guys who are dead um, and no one's eager to go read dead guys material. So Randy Alcorn is actually a living author that I look up to and um, I'm very impressed by and and very much impressed lately because I don't know if you are aware, but his but his wife had passed away, and he's been gr- writing a great deal on that. And um, he's just he's just a trooper. He really is. Yeah, he's he's dealt with a lot in his life. Yes, he um, has. Have you have you read that book, Matthew? On his book on heaven? I don't think so. It's in our church library. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> give it a try. Yeah, yeah. I you. Sadly, sadly or happily, I don't know how you look at it, but uh, I I actually picked it up for our church library. I think I got it for a dollar at Goodwill. Oh wow! Um, <laughs> yeah, that work that that book is uh, to me priceless. Like you said, I don't necessarily agree with everything he says in it. If nothing else, it will get your thoughts going, thinking mm-hmm. through these issues that you might not have thought through before. And That's he right. is very very thorough. Right. And and I appreciate him because it's like he gives you permission to ask questions that will. Well, quite frankly, churches oftentimes are dismissive of questions about heaven. Uh, We can't know. We don't know. We can only imagine. And or God said or Jesus said more about money than he said, you know, all these little cliches that are thrown out. (laughs) And I don't know how much merit there is to him. And uh he at least, you know, say, what, what's wrong with asking these questions? And, and you'd be surprised right. that I have preached about heaven from the pulpit, uh, get backlash from people in the pew. And I've even had one pastor who invited me uh, to his church to preach on any subject that I wanted. And I chose heaven. And uh, he, he was quite annoyed with what I had to say. And uh, it was odd. It was an odd thing that the subject of heaven can be that controversial. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know how we Christians can be. We can fight about anything. <laughs> Sadly, yes. So before we talk specifically about heaven, mm-hmm. um, usually when we think of eschatology or end times, we think about the millennium and about the rapture and those kind of things. Right. Um, but part of eschatology is our personal eschatology, right. i.e. where are we going when we die, right? Right. If you can give up like a basic outline of of eschatology, but try not like I told you in my message, try not to be bogged down in the 
controversial, you know, because we like to fight about the rapture in the millennium. And right, right, right. Well, just real quick in regards to maybe general eschatology, I do hold to a post-millennial position, in which I believe that Christ introduced the kingdom of God, the millennial reign is present, and uh, that the church will, by the grace of God and through the proclamation of the gospel, will eventually, slowly but surely, uh, conquer the world. And so I do believe uh, in a very optimistic view of the future. I, I do believe that Christ is ruling and reigning presently and is pushing back the kingdom of darkness. And I believe that the church under the headship of Christ will be victorious in human history. Now, as far as personal eschatology goes, um, my understanding of scripture is that when a believer, speaking of believers, that when they do die, that they get to be present with Christ. Uh, I don't believe in anything like soul sleep or anything like that, but I do believe the moment that we die, we waken up in the presence of Christ to be absent from the bodies, to be present with the Lord. Uh, Paul describes this intermediate state as kind of being unclothed, naked, and I believe those are euphemisms to describe Um, those individuals who do not have a resurrected body. So those who are in heaven or in paradise now are experiencing the bliss of being with Christ, being with other believers, uh, but they too are waiting for a future new heaven, and new earth. They too are waiting for uh, something even greater, and they too are waiting on the resurrected bodies. Um, I'll be honest on this. The intermediate state, which is describing where believers and unbelievers are at presently after they die, I I claim a lot of ignorance on that. I I think the Bible says more about the final state of believers than it does about the present state of deceased believers. But I I, I do reject so sleep. I've seen some good arguments for it, uh, but I'm not quite convinced yet. Yeah, I well, to be uh, as far as the intermediate state, uh, I think I'll, in my experience, a lot of people don't understand that there is an intermediate state. Right. They don't understand that until the second coming, no one is resurrected. That's right. You know, their bo- bodies are resurrected. And many people that I run, I, I've had tried to have Bible studies with people who are Christians and go to church and I talk about the resurrection from the dead and they have no comprehension. I'm, I end up in arguments yes. about whether we really bodily rise from the dead. And, and <laughs> the sad thing is this is, this is Christianity one-on-one. Yes. You know, it's not, this is not even something that's controversial between Roman Catholics and Protestants and Eastern Orthodox. Right. We, that's right. We all agree that the body will be resurrected. Um, yeah, and yet I I run into Christians all the time who have this idea that they're going to be it's just going to be their soul with Jesus forever. That's right. That's right. They but, don't uh, they don't understand that that's an intermediate state. If you die before Christ returns, then there's an intermediate state. That's right. And I and I don't. And this is where I claim ignorance. I don't know the nature of their body while they rate, wait for the resurrected body. I, I think it's some type of body. I just don't think it's a glorified body. 
Uh, there are pictures of the saints in the book of Revelation who I, I believe it is pictures of saints in the intermediate state waiting for Jesus to avenge your death. And, you know, they are singing. Uh, they are wearing clothes. Um, all this sounds more physical than spiritual. So I, I don't know the nature of those who are waiting uh, for the resurrected body while they wait in paradise. Uh, that's where I, I'll just say I don't know. But I, I like to think about it from time to time. But I do reject this ghostly state, you know, yeah. that we're <laughs> and clouds and or chubby babies floating around with wings and things like that so yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's where i'm at i don't know you you might make a cute chubby baby playing a harp on the cloud well that sounds more like hell than heaven so uh, <laughs> <laughs> just being honest there it is <laughs> so, if you die before christ returns there's an intermediate state right then right, right. Christ returns. Yes. When he returns, he resurrects, changes, transforms, yes. resurrects those who are alive. But he also resurrects those who are dead as well. And yeah, of course, the Bible says the dead in Christ will go first. So that's right. Bodily resurrection of the saints who are already in this intermediate state will will arise first, then the rest will be glorified with Christ, right? Yes. Um, so what then? Without getting the, I mean, obviously, some people believe the millennium is next, but... Right, which I do not. Um, neither, neither do I, but... And so I'm, I'm pretty simple that when Christ came into the world, that he introduced the kingdom of heaven... And that with his death, burial, and resurrection, he did a binding of Satan so that Satan can no longer deceive the nations and slow down the gospel truth. And I believe that we will progress uh, with the gospel. The church will be victorious until Christ returns. When Christ returns, the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we who happen to be alive when that happens will meet them in the air, will be transformed change twinkling in the eye the resurrection and then i think uh we progress into this white throne judgment that's spoken of in revelation um which he judges uh all individuals uh, the casting of satan and his allies those who are not written in the lamb's book of life into this lake of fire and then we just see the introduction of the new heaven new earth i, I don't think that there is a thousand year gap between the return of Jesus Christ and the introduction of the new heaven, new earth. And here's the thing. I, I think even Alcorn is a premillennialist. Yes. This is where I would disagree with him on that. And so mine, mine's pretty easy. It's not as complicated as premillennialism. So if you are premillennial you just insert that, if that, that's right, I understand what we're discussing, you just insert sure. that millennial period in there after the return of Christ. And then, the rest of what you said just goes right along with it. So mm -hmm. we're not trying to delve into that controversial oh. <laughs> issue tonight, today, but so let's deal with the next question. Then you've given us, we've gotten a basic outline of how things are going to work out. All right. So the question is one of the controversies regarding heaven is whether we'll be in heaven or whether we'll live in a renewed earth forever. 
Christians disagree about this, obviously. Right. What do you think can help, help us think through this issue? Right. I, I am under the impression that the, the earth itself will undergo a type of resurrection, uh, a redemption. I think Romans 8 speaks to this, that all of creation groans and is waiting for the redemption of man. And when the final redemption of man occurs, we see the restoration of creation. I, I do not believe that God has abandoned uh, his creation simply because the fall occurred. Nor do I believe that God has abandoned his mandate for mankind to rule and reign over the earth uh, simply because of the fall. So in other words, I think God created the world. He created it good. He wanted Adam and Eve and all their offspring to exercise dominion. And I don't think he scrapped that just because the fall happened. He's like, well, I had a plan A. Now I'm resorting to plan B. And that's something else entirely different. Uh, I, I think we see clearly in Psalm chapter eight that the divine mandate for man to oversee the earth, care for the earth is still in effect. And so I don't see God abandoning the earth. I see God restoring the earth. I do think that when we uh, as human beings receive our resurrected bodies, I think what naturally follows from that, or should I say supernaturally follows from that, is the redemption of the earth, that all of creation groans. And of course, when you think of creation, you can't help but think of, well, Genesis 1. You know, what is going to be redeemed? When we say creation is redeemed, what, what do we mean by that? Well, night, day, the, the celestials, um, all of that that we see in Genesis 1. So I, I think there is going to be a bit of continuity, um, but ultimately a transformation rather than just an abandonment of his world. Right. That, all right. Well, and, and this, this is one of the reasons why, you know, the resurrection from the dead, why the saints need to be resurrected and we're not just going to be in some spiritual state for all eternity because if the if the bodies remain in the grave then christ hasn't saved us entirely that's right sin has gotten our bodies and i've i think it's the same when you think about the earth Mm -hmm. if god has to completely destroy the earth to get rid of sin then he didn't save it yeah this is why it frustrates me so much at funerals when pastors kind of wave their hand over the deceased person and say, don't worry about that. That's not Martha. God doesn't care about that. God only cares about yes, Martha. Yes, he does. And, and that's, that's and, and we, is that God will not abandon us in shield. And, it, and if, go if ahead. God doesn't care about whoever this person is, why don't we just throw them in a rubbish pile and move on? Yeah, we all know deep down. We all exactly know that by the common grace of God, this is one of the reasons why we're distinct from other creatures. And you don't see squirrels conducting funerals for one another <laughs> uh, because we, we know deep down there's something right. about human beings and their bodies. That's why I used to be a volunteer firefighter. And then anytime I rolled up on a scene that involved a terrible accident and it had a dead body, we covered them up because we wanted to cover their shame. You know, we wanted to treat them with dignity. Now, right. that that's unbelieving firemen doing that because they know there's right. something down precious right. about them. And so, which, for us, which when you when, 
when you have to mo- remove roadkill from the road, you don't first go over there and cover it up. You just get a yeah. shovel and you just yeah. throw it in the ditch. You don't care yeah. about it. It's an animal. Thing like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I would pay to see that, though. But, um, no, I, I think deep down we know that creation – and e- even environmentalists, this is – when they get a little extreme with that, uh, I think they're just uh, inherently – they inherently know these things by being created in God's image of his common grace, just working over the world. And they're responding to that little bit of light and they might respond to an extreme, but even they deep down know that the world is a precious place. Earth is valuable and God cherishes his creation. And he's not going to say, well, the devil, he outdid me and now it's his, and I'm just going to let it be thrown in the trash. I I don't, I I don't see, which what which, I, not us abandoning earth to go to heaven what i see is heaven coming to the earth yes exactly the same way that our soul the the new jerusalem is to the earth what the soul is to the body once those things are reunited we see glory we see redemption. We see restoration. And so I'm not waiting to be snatched up and be taken to Cloud City. I am waiting, uh, if it happens in my lifetime, for the, the heavenly city to come down. And when it touches with the earth, then we see uh, just this glorious restoration that will just boggle the mind. And that then I have no problem singing the song I can only imagine. You know, but, <laughs> And so I, I'm looking forward to it. And even even if God calls me home soon and I'm waiting in paradise, that's something I'm waiting to see, even even in the intermediate state. They're all waiting for this. Creation is waiting for this. Right. And we're all in anticipation. Well, and, it, and this does away with another cliche where, you know, it's often talked about uh, Christians were worried about organizing the chairs on the Titanic. <laughs> right. <laughs> and the reality is the earth. And this world is not the Titanic. It's going yeah. to be renewed, and the things we do matter. That's right. That's it, right. They're important. How they're going to work out in the new heaven and new earth, I don't know. And that's right. I'm sure you're going to say the same thing. But yeah. uh, it, we know from Scripture it matters what we're doing. Correct. This is why our uh, forefathers took four, five hundred years to build cathedrals because they thought it mattered. They didn't yeah. think it was going to be destroyed in a moment. <laughs> Although, no. yeah, so anyway, let's not, let's not go too far down that road. I, I would just say post-millennialism and heaven, they complement each other well in the conversation that we should be doing all that we can now uh, to experience heaven here on earth. Uh, I think there is a great overlap. I think we are seeing the introduction of the new heaven, new earth now with every new christ every new creation um i I think that's that's the um the signs if you will of uh, an approaching new heaven new earth i am a citizen of this approaching new heaven new earth although i have not been ultimately redeemed and prepared for it yet but god is preparing me for a new world in which i will be able to have it and enjoy so you got you got any thoughts matthew you look like you wanted to say something. Just how important it is for us to understand this and that our understanding of heaven affects the way we live on earth. And 
far too often we seek to um, separate the two and think that they don't have a connection. Randy Alcorn's book helped me just like what Seth, I wasn't going through the, the ordeal of being diagnosed with cancer and even them telling me to get my affairs in order. But it, it was so beneficial, even if I don't agree with everything that he said in it, there, there's so much that was beneficial in there and, and helped me to think how my life now, how, how heaven in the future affects my life now. Right. Um, it's, it really is beneficial. The expression, what we do now, uh, echoes in, into eternity. Especially if we, and I do, I do believe there is some type of reward system at the judgment. Um, I, I don't, I, I do think that there is um, some saints who will be rewarded more than other saints. And so if that's the case, what we do now impacts that, this storing up treasures in heaven rather than storing up treasures here on earth. Uh, Alcorn uses the analogy that we got to stop living for the dot and live for the line. And so we should be making decisions now, even if there's no practical benefit of doing so here, the Lord sees it. And, and I do believe, and I'm not exactly sure how it ultimately looks, but I do believe that there are some who will be more rewarded than others because of their faithful works and their heavenly mindset. You know, uh, that's why I reject that one cliche that we will we as christians got to avoid being so heavenly mindset that we're no earthly good in fact i would i would flip that i would absolutely flip that that the more heavenly minded we are the more earthly good we are and so Uh, then again it depends on your view of heaven i mean if you think you're going to be a chubby cherub on a cloud playing a harp then maybe you can be too heavenly minded right (laughs) so um, I, I think this is a good time to wrap up uh, for this episode uh, and we'll, we'll have you on next week sure. and we'll discuss further uh, about heaven. Uh, we talked, we, you know, we did a broad outline. I think uh, next week we'll come back. We'll talk about what heaven's going to be like and, and really get to the application about, about how heaven thinking about heaven today helps us. Um, so yep. any, any thoughts before we close Matthew? Nope. I think that that's a good plan. All right. God bless. All right. We thank you for making the decision to listen to this episode of Ordinary Fellowship, a podcast ministry of Two Rivers Community Church. For more information about Two Rivers, you can find it on our website at www.tworiverscc.org. We look forward to questions, comments, and even dreaded hate mail at ordinaryfellowship at gmail.com. Please follow us on Facebook at Ordinary Fellowship and like, subscribe, and rate this podcast on whatever service you listen to us on. But once again, we want to thank you for listening to this episode of Ordinary Fellowship, where we'll strive and have spiritual conversations for practical Christian living.